welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of Sunday, June 25th, and is preached by our pastor, Brother Mike Sylvie. Our desire is that this message builds you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. Here now is Brother Mike preaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, a message titled, Relationships That Last. I taught her everything I know. She was singing like that long before we met. I've been blessed for many years to be able to hear her sing. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 speaks to us about relationships that last. There was a little boy who was sitting on the front steps of his house with his face cradled in both hands looking distraught. About that time, Dad came home asking him what was wrong. He looked up, said, well, Dad, just between us, I'm having trouble getting along with your wife, too. (laughs) Relationships can be difficult for all of us. Yours may be fine today, but just wait. There's coming a day when you're going to hit some rough spots. And in this life, if you're in a relationship that lasts, there will be a lot of rough spots. How do you get through them? You get through them by understanding truth from God's Word about relationships. Honoring God's Word in your life, living according to it, and particularly the principles that we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is what we could call the relationship chapter of the Bible. Forty verses long, it's all about difficult relationship issues. And so just hang on, it's going to get kind of personal today. But we need to talk about relationships. The world is talking about relationships. In fact, today, there is a full assault on Christianity and upon Christian principles in this area of relationship. You've been watching the news? You've been hearing what's going on out there in the corporate world, in the educational world? It's everywhere. The world has said, as they have been tempted by the enemy of all truth, they are now saying, I will have a relationship where, when, how, and with whomever I choose, and nobody can stop me. Not God, not Christians, not the church, not the government, nobody. I will do what I want to do. That's where we are in society. And we need to understand what God's Word says about relationship. Because even us Christians who are here on a Sunday morning and are trying to honor God, we can be tempted. We can become weakened. We can give in to the lie that we're hearing over and over again out in the world uh, that we can control our relationships. We can do what we want to do. We can do what feels good. But the Bible says, no, we can't. The Bible says that's the way you you get to relationships that don't last. That's the way everything ends up in the ditch. That's the way everything falls apart. God is not against 
us having joy and um, blessing and pleasure in this life. He's the one who come up with the ideal for all of that. But he knows that there's a wrong and right way. And he's trying to help us get on that road. And so here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we actually have relationship counseling from uh, the expert of all relationships, and that's God. And so it's a pretty good deal. And here in this chapter, there is something for just about everybody that's in a relationship. There's something here for those who are married and in a healthy relationship. There's something here for those who are married and are in a difficult relationship. There's something here for those who used to be married but are not sure they want to be married again. There's something here for those who are single. Those of you that are single, those of you that are single and hope to be married, and those of you that are single and you want everybody just to leave you alone. You know who you are. But all these issues are addressed in the principles that we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. These Corinthians had messed up relationships. They came from an area that was just as bad as the type of society we live in now, possibly even worse. They lived in ancient Greece where liberty and immorality were celebrated and were accelerated to new highs or maybe you want to rather say new lows. Immorality was seen as necessary in life. It was as justifiable as eating and drinking. It was said that women in Corinth uh, would leave home in order to marry, and they would marry in order to be divorced. Families and homes were wrecked. There was no restraint in society. Fornication, prostitution, adultery, and divorce ran rampant through that city and through that culture. And the gospel came to Corinth one day. Paul came preaching. And these folks with messed up lives and wrecked relationships heard about a God who came from heaven to give them a relationship that would never end. A relationship that would have eternal blessing. A relationship that would give them love and forgiveness and a foundation from which now they can have relationships with everyone the way they need to. And out of that group of those messed up people some received Christ, and they were saved. Paul describes these people in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 11. He says, such were some of you. What were they? They were fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. But such were some of you, but you were washed but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. There is no relationship beyond God's power to heal and to restore. And if you're having trouble with relationships, God can fix it. God can fix you. He can heal your life. And He can give you a relationship that lasts forever. Now there are four foundational principles of relationship that I want to point your attention to as we just kind of take a quick survey of this chapter, we're not going to cover all 40 verses. You don't need to go anywhere. I'm watching the clock. It's 10 o'clock, I see. Okay, we got plenty of time. But we're going to survey this, and I want to give you these four foundational principles of relationship 
that will speak to many things that we are thinking about today and we are dealing with today in relationships. The first principle is this. Relationships are gifts given by the Lord. This is in verse 7. He says, but each one of each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. And he's talking about the relationships that are mentioned in this chapter. They're gifts from the Lord. Now Paul builds up to this statement of principle by saying this in verse 1. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. So the Corinthians had a lot of questions about relationships, about what they could and could not do as they went forward. All they knew is what they, you know, their past, and they knew that wasn't right. And this is Paul's pastoral way of saying, hey, there's some boundaries in this thing we call relationship. There, there are some things you should not do to be honoring to God and to be effective in your relationships in this world and so you need to do those things that are honoring to God. And you can't just do like the world says. You can't just say, I'm going to have a relationship with anyone, wherever, whenever, however I want to. If I feel like it, I'm going to do it. No, verse 1 says that's out of bounds with God's way of doing relationships. That's the way to wreck relationships. Now again, God's not against joy and blessing. And pleasure, he goes on to say in verse 2, Paul speaking for the Lord, Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except we consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So the, the Lord is saying here the, the basis of all good relationship is self-control. It, it's honoring my principles, living a chaste life, a life that's honoring to God. That is the the building block for a strong relationship. And it all leads up to this principle. It's because the relationship you have and the one that God wants to give you and bless you with, it's a gift. It's a gift from God. And that word gift is the word charisma. It means a gift of grace. It's something that God will cause to flourish in your life. And He will bless and He will strengthen. And you must do it His way or it doesn't work. And so that's why Paul jumps into this thought about chastity here, and we're not going to delve into that today. In a few weeks, we're going to come back to that and look at that in, in detail. But uh, the foundational principle that he's leading up to is in verse 7. That is, the relationships that you have in life, they are gifts given to you by the Lord. Now that means a couple of different things that we can make a personal application about. Number one is that the persons of relationships are gifts. You in a relationship, it takes two to have a relationship, right? And if this relationship is a gift, that means the persons in the relationship are gifts as well. Now God brings two different people together. 
They're not the same. They're different. Most relationships, you find people that are opposites. That's true in friendships. That's true in marriages. That's true across the board. Opposites attract, but then opposites tend to attack. And so we have to look at each other as a gift because it's easy to forget that. Those things that attracted us to a person over time, those can be the things that aggravate us. Why? Because they're different than us. If they just see it my way, then we wouldn't have this argument. And so this foundational principle is so important to start out with and look at it this way, that this relationship, it's a gift. And that means that person, that other person there on the other side of the relationship, whatever it is, that person is a gift. So sometimes you're that other person and you're feeling like, you know, I, I don't feel much like a gift in this relationship. You're both gifts. We're all gifts. Genesis chapter 2, it's not good that man should be alone. God was saying, I made mankind, male and female, to need and want relationship. They're social creatures. That's what that phrase means. It's not good for man to be alone. I made him to, to need relationship, to need a connection. And we all need connections. We all need relationship. And we're all valuable to bring that to the table for somebody else in God-honoring ways. So either, even those of us that are kind of introverts, that kind of daydream about being dropped on an isolated island somewhere where there's no other people, spend around 48 hours out there, you know, just kind of getting over all of it. Even us who might be in that situation, we can be there not very long, and what are we doing? I wonder what's going on back home. <laughs> We're just made that way. I wonder if they're missing me. I wonder if that phone rings. I, 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 bet they, I bet they need me. And we're always thinking and being pulled toward others because that's the way that we're made. We're gifts. So the persons, the persons in the relationship are gifts, but also the pathways of relationship are gifts as well. And this is, this is one of the key points that Paul makes here that we need to understand. He's saying that singleness and having a spouse are both gifts from the Lord. That's what he means in verse 7 when he says, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. He's already talked about how some are led into a relationship where there's a spouse. But then he says in verse 6 and 7 that that's not always the case for everyone. He says some are led into a relationship that involves being single. He says, but I say this as a concession. In other words, I'm conceding a point here. He's saying it can go one way or another with some people. Some are led into singleness. Some are led to have a spouse. But he says this is a concession, not as a commandment. I'm not commanding everybody to do one or another. But he says in verse 7, I wish that all men were even as myself, but each one has his own gift from God. One in this manner, another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So Paul says that singleness is not 
second string in God's kingdom. Now, I know you single people, you're made to feel that way sometimes because so often we, you know, we have a family series and what are we going to do? We're going to talk about marriage and relationships all the time. We're going to talk about having kids. We're going to talk about all this stuff. Here Paul is bringing it back to where the foundational principle leads us and that is all relationships that are God-honoring are gifts from the Lord. And Paul at this time was single. He makes that clear. He said, I wish you were like I am. We believe at one time Paul was married because he was a Pharisee, but at this time he was not. And many of the great people in the Bible that God used were single. And so those of you that have made it your life mission, that, that you're going to find a mate for that person in your family or your extended family, you're going to match them up with somebody, and you're always working, and you're always on them about that, Paul would say, don't do that. Get off their back. Let God work that out. There's nothing wrong with praying about it. There's nothing wrong with taking an opportunity that God presents. But Paul says singleness actually is what he would recommend. He had insight about what was coming. He knew the, the culture at that time. He, he knew some things that made him come to this conclusion. He will say in this chapter if you're wondering about if you should get married or not, he says, I counsel you to stay single. That's what he says. And it's all based upon this principle first that it's just as a gifted a, of a pathway as marriage. Now, marriage, marriage is a great uh, pathway. Marriage presents a picture of oneness with Christ. But the Bible teaches us that a single person is freed up so that they can be one with the Lord without distraction. They are the life that marriage is picturing, see? And so Paul says they're equally gifted. And so singleness, if that is what God is calling some into, that's, that can be a great thing. Think about the single people that you find in the Bible. The Apostle Paul, John the Baptist, probably most of the other apostles were. Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, a lot of the prophets in the Old Testament were all single. The Lord Jesus Christ himself was single. It's a gifted life. And you look in, in, in history and society, many of the people that were, had made great impacts were single. Leonardo da Vinci was single. Sir Isaac Newton discovered gravity. He was single. He had time to think about all that kind of stuff. Joan of Arc, single. Mother Teresa, single. Sheriff Andy Taylor, Barney Fife, they're all single. Great people impacted society in a great way. So single people, don't let anyone make you feel like you're second string. God wants to use you. God wants to use all of us in our own way. He has gifted us in those unique ways. How do we know? We let God direct us. Young people, how do you know if you're supposed to get married? You need to honor God in everything that you do. Read God's Word. Study God's Word. Learn it for yourself. Live it. And then let God lead you into the opportunities. And I guarantee if you'll do that, it will become very clear if you're supposed to get married or not. God will bring that person across your pathway. But if not, that means he's got other things in mind and you need to pursue him 
and become that great person that God possibly wants you to become. So relationships are gifts given by the Lord. Now, it's been personal, I understand that. But hang on, we've got, we got deeper waters to go through. Number two, the second foundational principle of relationships is that relationships are lifestyles designed by the Lord. Verse 17. But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Relationships are lifestyles that are designed by the Lord himself. This word distributed means to divide into sections and to assign. And so this statement is teaching us that God has assigned you the relationships in your life and God has designed you for those relationships. It is not up to you to pick your identity. It is not up to you to pick your relationships. It is not up to you to decide how you're going to refer to yourself and how you're going to live your life. It is up to God who has given us life and controls all things. He's in charge. And that's where our society is rebelling against God today. Is they're saying, I'm going to be the God of my life. I'm going to determine what I call myself, what I do, who I have a relationship with. I'm going to do what makes me feel happy. And young people, you need to listen to what God has to say in his word. He says he has designed you in the best possible way in the most gifted way, to be blessed and to be happy. And you need to follow his way. Now, life and relationships can be very confusing. They can be difficult. Junior high school is not easy for any one of us. It was hard for me. I'm glad I'm not there anymore. And today, the young people are hearing this from every direction. I know you're hearing it at school. You're seeing it on the media and movies and videos. You're hearing it everywhere that you're in charge of your life and you can determine what your identity is and what people call you and what kind of relationship you have. But God's word says the total opposite. God's word says he made you the way he wanted you to be. And Psalm 139 says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You've been made an individual. That's because God wants to have a relationship with each one of you. And he wants you to have individual gifts to bring to the relationships that he gives you beyond the relationship with himself. So God has designed our lifestyles. And we do not have the right to change them whatsoever. And so, if I haven't been uh, controversial enough, let me just make it very, very clear. There are only two genders that God has assigned in this world. Only two, male and female. Genesis chapter 1 says that he created them male and female. And God will give everyone opportunities to have relationship, as we already talked about. It could be for some just to be single and to have friendships and family and associates in which we have meaningful relationships with. Or for some others, it means that we have spouses and we're married. Either way, as long as you're chaste, as long as you're honorable to God, it's a gift. And we're to follow his 
pathway for our life and to stay within his boundaries. Another boundary he's made very clear about his design for lifestyles is that women are not to have romantic relationships with women and men are not to have romantic relationships with men. Leviticus chapter 18 verse 22, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And this is where the world is today. They're saying, that's not an abomination. That's my attitude. That's my alternate lifestyle. And nobody can make me do anything different. Now we are free to choose how we live. But if you want to choose to drive your life over a cliff, then that's really a, a sad way to live your life. God's trying to keep us from hurting ourselves. He's trying to keep us from destroying ourselves. And this is what the world is doing. And so in verse 17, Paul is saying a lot that applies to us today. He's saying that our lifestyles are designed by God and we do not have the right to change them. He says, as each one has been distributed and as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And further than that, he says, I ordain this in all the churches. So there is no church who is allowed to be, for the sake of love, to condone and accept these alternate lifestyles that so many people are trying to pursue. And many churches today are doing this. When churches are saying, for the sake of love, for the sake of the gospel, to get them in the door, we're going to love them and accept what they do, just not judge them, and we're going to just hope that they come around. And some are even saying, we're not going to wait for them to come around. We're going to go to them because actually there's grace. We're all sinners. And so what's their sin compared to our sin? And so let's just accept everybody and be one big happy family. Paul says, no, no church is to condone this. And folks, this is right at our doorstep. I pastored a church several years ago, a good BMA church not far from here. We had a church member who got in a relationship, a girl with another girl, and then after the same-sex marriage amendment was passed back in 2015, they went out to the city park, and they had, as far as we know, they had the first uh, same-sex marriage, public marriage ceremony in Columbia County, and she was a member of our church, good church came from a good family and we had a decision to make in the name of love are we just going to look the other way and not hurt their feelings or are we going to stand on the truth of the word of God and we stood on the truth of the word of God and it wasn't easy we paid a price but today I'm glad to be able to tell you that that same young lady is now in a healthy God honoring relationship and she's back in church I doubt she would be there today if God's people would not have taken the stand on truth that we did. So we all have to choose where we're going to stand. Now I just want to say this and I'll move on. Parents, you've got a harder job than any other generation in recent history because of this. You not only have to have the talk about the facts of life, you have to have the talk about the facts of lifestyles. Because unless you just got your head in the sand 
you're, you're aware that your kids, your elementary kids, your middle school kids are hearing this and are being mentored in these things at school when they're there. They're being exposed to it in possibly their school libraries. They're being indoctrinated by it as they watch their videos and watch their movies. Everybody thinks they're the greatest movies that have come out. It's being weaved into everything in our society. And parents, you must speak about it. You must talk to your kids about it because they are going to have to choose at some point. And they do not need to have the world's voice as the only one they're hearing. So God bless you. God strengthen you. Give you courage to stand. And some of you are working for companies that are pushing all this stuff. And it's all in all these colors out there. And the companies are forcing people to go in that direction. And for some, you're going to have a difficult decision to make at some point. Either you're going to embrace and condone these things and look the other way, or are you going to pay the price and stand on God's Word? It's coming for all of us. But God's Word is clear. Moving on quickly, as Paul continues to lay out relationships here, he says, number three, the foundational principle of relationships is that relationships are laws governed by the Lord. He addresses the unmarried again in verse 25, and then he begins to talk about those who are bound, bound by the law. He says, verse 25, Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord. That means I don't have a direct quote about this subject from the Lord. Yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not be, seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. If a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. So this is why Paul leans towards singleness. He's saying because of the climate that we're in, he's saying it's going to be harder for you if you choose to get married. But he says you haven't sinned if you choose that. But notice the, the terminology. He says, are you bound to a wife? And what he means by that is made very clear in verse 39 when he says a wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Now this is an interesting foundational principle is that what God says in his word about relationships should be the foundational principle should be encased in law. And this is the way it's been from the very beginning. Because we have a government that is of the people, for the people, and by the people, right? At least it's supposed to be that way. So we, as families, as individuals in our society, is the basis of our government. There's some people in Washington that need to understand that, but that's really the way it's supposed to be set up. And so that's why laws about marriage and laws about relationship have been encased in law. It's, it is to protect those relationship principles and it is to allow them to continue, to have relationships that, can, that last. This is why when you decide to get married, you have to go down to the courthouse. 
And you have to, to get a, what they call that? A marriage license. That's right. That's where it was. And you have to go through some steps. You have to make it official. And you have to stand before official that the state will recognize. That may be your pastor. That may be a judge. That could be a friend that's licensed. But it's someone the state will recognize. Why? Because the relationship principles are so important that they've always been, and God's word confirms it, that that's the way it should be. They need to be encased in law. So they'll stand. Here's where it gets very personal and practical for us. Is we don't need to turn the, the other way and say, all oh, this is controversial, and so we just need to get this out of politics. I heard this back in 2015 when the marriage amendment was brought up. There were some that said, why can't we just get marriage out of the law books? And the reason is because it's too important to lose. It's too important to weaken and today we need to pray for righteous leadership and good laws to be enacted. And we need to vote for righteous men and women to hold office who will stand for the laws that line up with God's word. And if there is a candidate who embraces same-sex marriage, then the word of God calls us to stand with God and not with that candidate. I told you the waters were going to get deep. And we're swimming in deep waters right now. Not endorsing or saying anything bad about anybody. But as Christians, we have always said we vote according to our convictions. And when it comes to things like abortion, we've drawn straight lines. And God has honored that and blessed that where we've made some progress. We've got a new line we've got to draw. And that line is that if someone says, I'm going to adopt same-sex marriage, we cannot stand with that person according to the Word of God. That's my counsel to you. That's my conviction based upon what God's teaching us here in these verses. It goes back to foundational principles. And if you mess with the foundation, then you compromise the integrity of the structure. You begin messing with the house that God has built in this world then we're in danger of the walls and the roof coming down all around us. Now finally, the fourth and final relationship principle is that relationships are blessings empowered by the Lord. Verse 40, Paul says that that individual that follows his counsel, he says she's happier if she remains as she is according to my judgment, and I think I also have the Spirit of God. Yeah, he had a little bit of the Spirit of God, didn't he? He had it right most of the time. And all the time when he was speaking by the Spirit of God, um, Paul is someone we need to listen to. And Paul is someone who knew what he was talking about here. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you will follow God's principles, you will be more blessed. You will be more empowered in this landmine that we call relationships and dealing with other people. This word happier is the word for blessing. It says you will be more blessed in all of your relationships and you will be used by God. You'll be empowered by Him to have an experience in which God takes two selfish people and He, and he transforms them and makes them giving and sharing and loving and self-sacrificing people. That's something only God can do. And as those two people have a relationship, even if it's just... Uh, 
single people that have friendships or good relationships with their family, they are building a foundation that becomes a life legacy that will have an impact for generations. Only God can do that. Only God can take these troubled issues of our life and turn them into blessings that last forever. When it comes to relationships, we've all blown it. When it comes to relationships, we all need a Savior. We all need a Restorer. And here's the great truth of the Gospel. The Gospel is that the God who made you, made you to have a relationship with Him. That was the whole idea, is that He wanted to, to share existence with you. He didn't need us to complete the world. He was self-sufficient and eternal and perfect without us. He did not need us. But what was he doing? He was bringing us into his circle. He was bringing us into existence. And the gospel is that all who have sinned and have fallen short and who have messed it up and were broken and were separated from God and separated from relationships... We can come back. He's calling us to himself. Jesus said, if I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw all peoples to myself. He's drawing you to himself in relationship. And as you are right with him, you'll be able to be right with everybody else. And that's the only way. So we bow Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.